Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for, I don't know, 116? I think we're at 116. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's crazy, dude. We are at 116. Yeah. I actually know that today. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Mogive. Emoji IV. I was a little late. <laughs> it's happy Movember. Wait, it's not Movember anymore. <laughs> um, it's happy D Mo Give Simber. It's when you want people to give Mo, you need Mo Give. And you know, funny enough, Pete, December is the giving month, and apparently, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, and you know, this is the last couple of days before the end of uh, the year, so it is a big giving time. Is that where you're going? Because I was trying to set that up. No, I didn't realize that until after you said it, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, this episode's going to air the very last week of December 2014." Yeah. So you actually, yeah, it is. It, it, we're, we're kissing out 2014. We really are. We're, we're, we're pretty much wrapping it all up. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've really thought about this for 2014, but, you know, with 2015 right around the corner, have you really thought about, you know, getting your church started with online giving? No, I haven't, Pete. I've just been thinking about presents. Well, that's a good and important thing to think about. But since presents are now over, um, let me ask you another quick question. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Well, I'm so lame that I'm still thinking about presents after Christmas. What do you think? 
Have you had an employee there at the church switch out the PayPal account and put in their email address so they got all the payments? We said that you weren't going to tell about that. You know what? I would not be surprised if that has happened. I bet it has happened. Oh my I mean, gosh, us, I bet but... you that's happened. That is so easy to do. Oh, like, wow. Especially most pastors don't know anything about the web, you know, like web design and stuff like that. Do you know how easy that would be to just swap that out? What do you think? They're like Al Gore or something? And they, they, they're like an expert on the internet? They invented the internet, but they themselves don't know how to use it. Well, all I got to say to that, Peyton, is stop it. A better solution is here. Mogiv, spelled... M-O-G-I-V. It's an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new, growing, and shrinking churches. Go to mogive.com forward slash church to learn more. Forward slash church. <laughs> They're like, when, when, when does or our account run there. up? When, when do we not have to pay you guys anymore? Or or don't go to M O G I V and be stupid. That's what that's the ad I would write, Pete. <laughs> or don't go there and be stupid. Be be poor and stupid. It's not smart for you to do that. Well, let's uh, let's hear from our buddy Hulk. Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast <laughs> runs wild on you? What are you laughing about in the background? What's funny is I think that's supposed to be Yoda. <laughs> what? I don't think that's a Hulk, man. I think that's supposed to be Yoda. I think it's just a bad Yoda. <laughs> man, I'm almost afraid to admit it. I, I told Jamie, I go, I can't even tell Peyton I did this. <sighs> I bought the first three episodes. Yes. Yes, you have turned to the dark side. I hadn't seen episode three in years, and frankly, I, I, all this Star Wars that Luke's making me watch, I wanted to see episode three. So, oh yeah, baby. So I bought. That's it. the one you want to see. You have to include that one. That one has to make it. There's can... actually a a guy on the internet who's written this this tome on how you are supposed to watch the Star Wars movies. And so Indeed. I don't know if you've seen it, but he brings out, you know, the point because George Lucas has changed the movies and you can't buy the original theatrical releases anymore. Um he goes, it doesn't make sense anymore. He goes, like now if you watch episode four, five, and six, one of the big mistakes is at the end of number six when you've got Yoda, Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker, you know, yeah. glowing there, it's now he goes, now it's some teenage kid because that doesn't make any sense. Like who Anakin Skywalker is. And yeah. he goes, and you can't watch the first three movies because then you find out that Anakin is Darth Vader and Darth Vader is Luke's father. And of course, then that means the empire strikes back doesn't have, the the power that it had when it was originally released when you found yeah. out for the first time that Anakin or Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. And so he goes, here's the proper order to watch the movies. And he calls it the machete. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm calling it machete because I'm vain. And if this thing, if this thing catches on, you know, I want to get all the credit for it. So he goes, you watch episodes four and five, 
then episodes two and three, and then six. And number one, he goes, number one has absolutely no bearing on anything. He goes, Qui-Gon dies in it. Um, Darth Maul dies in it. He goes, none of this matters. So you can actually eliminate episode one completely because it has nothing to do with uh, two and three. I actually agree with that. I actually 100% agree. So there, uh, for Hector Mora and Jimbo Balaam, you need to watch four, five, two, three, and then six. That's the order yes, of the movies and, you need to watch. Yeah, and when we take our small children by the hand and lead them towards a television set with our uh, DVDs or Blu-rays of Star Wars, we will invite you. You know, um, all the stuff that I'm watching with Luke on Star Wars, I got to tell you, the best Star Wars ish, you know, shows are the Lego Star Wars. Have you watched any of those? No, they're on Amazon. You can get them for like you know, buck ninety nine an episode. And can you buy are, it for me for Christmas? No, they're okay. absolutely hilarious. Like, I mean, they are just so stinking funny because you could tell they're written for the adults that have to watch them with the kids. That's <laughs> that's the way that they were written. And it's just so funny. I mean, they're constantly mocking everything, and and they cloned a uh, a Sith Lord who ends up helping out the Jedi's, and it's totally George Lucas. <laughs> like his disguise is George Lucas as a young man, and then George Lucas as an old man with the gray hair. It's hilarious. The whole thing That's is awesome. just so funny. And they're constantly just ripping on basically all of the movies. Like if you watch those expecting them to mirror episodes, you know, one through six, they don't because you got Luke Skywalker in with what would be episodes two and three. And it's, it's, it's pretty funny. I need to see that. You do actually, you do. They're hey, way we're better smack than talking. We're smack talking too soon again. We're screwing this up. Oh, and by the way, I haven't had enough. No, coffee. that's why that's I did the why. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan said it's time for the smack talk. Oh, did he see, dude? I haven't had my coffee, and you know I can't hear that thing too well I know. Through, through my speaker. So when I, I was all mixed up, so when you're like, "That's the Hulk," I thought you meant the Yoda voice, because our Yoda voice kind of sucks. We actually need to redo that. I can do a better Yoda voice than that guy did on Fiverr. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you. I don't like the Yoda one. The Hulk Hogan one, I'm not crazy about, just because it's Hulk Hogan, and I yeah. Mean, He's really? kind of lame. Yeah, who cares about Hulk? I mean, that guy was back in the 80s. We're not in the 80s anymore. No. Well, I'm still kind of in the 80s, but... Mm, yeah, you kind of are. Yeah. I still think the Actually, Doc the Brown church one is, is stuck. I like Doc yeah, Brown. Yeah, the <laughs> Doc Brown one is spot on. Yeah. And uh, the Batman one's pretty good. I don't know if I told you this, but for some of my clients, I had uh, a guy on Fiverr. He's been on the news because he does... Like the best Christopher Walken impersonation ever. And Are you so, serious? yeah, so I paid him to um, call my clients, you know, like on their birthdays and like wish him a happy birthday. And, uh, and so I had him call, like he'll, he'll record the call for like 20 <laughs> bucks, right? Cause it's Fiverr. So I just gave him a phone number that would automatically record it and it forwards on to the, to my client. I did not, for some reason, you know, when I think of Christopher Walken, I think of like, uh, you know, Meet Joe Dirt or whatever that was called, that that movie. You know, where he's just like this funny guy who's just quirky and weird. Yeah. So when this guy calls up my my um, client who's like a hardcore <laughs> Christian client and he just starts going off, 
And he sounds like Christopher Walken. I mean, it's like spot on Christopher Walken. And he's saying things that I am like literally just dying inside, embarrassed. I'm like, oh my gosh. And finally, my buddy's like, okay, look, I'm just going to hang up now. (laughs) This is a birthday call from me, right? You know, Christopher Walken's going to call you. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And uh, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Yeah, so next time you have to be like, Christian Christopher Walken needs to call my friend. (laughs) Yeah, Joe Dirt Christopher Walken calls my friend. God bless you. Yeah, I mean, he was, it was, it was actually pretty funny. I mean, for me, I would think it was funny because I actually think I could pull that off with you, (laughs) but, but that's because you don't have a, a, a stick up your, your behind like other people do, but. Well, the, the humor in it to me is that you didn't know, like, that's just. That's just super. I actually funny. have them recorded. I'm gonna I'm gonna send them to you because you'll just see how like embarrassed how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey man, let's get into our topic today, shall we? Because uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hold on, it's let's, good. Let's, let's and we hear, don't get uh, to talk about good things. We've been talking about all these bad things, like you know, my worst moments, my my, you know, my my. What was it? I told you I haven't had enough struggles. coffee today. My my biggest struggles and well, and Pete points out challenges. Let's let's hear from uh, Doc Brown. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. All right, so what is this week's topic? Sensei, so this week's topic. Sensei uh, Peyton. Well, uh, Grasshopper, um, if you snatch the pebble from my hand, you may leave. <laughs> Remember that from Kung Fu? Um, no. You didn't see, oh, did, you know, I always forget that you were raised in Baptist households. So you did not get to see the riches of the 70s TV treasures. I actually did not know there were more than three TV channels growing up. <laughs> and that, of course, yeah. would have been TVN, uh, TVN Extra, and TVN Special. You must plunder the, the, the treasures of the 1970s, my friend. <laughs> David Carradine, Kung Fu classic where he goes uh he, he's this like little monk and he's his nickname is grasshopper that's his pupil name he's like a shaolin monk at the shaolin temple and his uh sensei is this old blind bald kung fu master and uh he, he he's training and they've, they've all got this weird hairdo where they're all like shaved heads with little top knots and they're running around their little peasant monk clothes and they're doing all these chores for the masters and they've got to train in this kung fu but if they leave, like the, the way they ascend to masterhood is they, they have to kind of like either fight the master or whatever to leave. And the, uh, this is not the topic, by the way. And they, they have to, uh, the, the master always tells them, oh, grasshopper, if you can snatch the pebble from my hand, you may go. And each time, you know, grasshopper, he, he, he reaches for it. And the guy's holding a pebble in his open palm and he always goes, oh, master, you are too fast. No, grasshopper, you are too slow. It's a, it's genius. I'm just saying. I've seen Kill Bill volumes one and two, so I get it. Then then you've you've basically seen it. Yeah. So hey, getting on to the topic because I think I think last week we went like was it like 30, 40 minutes or something? Cal Worthington. <laughs> was that last week? I gotta go back and re-listen to last week's. Yeah, dude, it, it was like forever. We hit Cal Worthington. We hit, um, we started, we start on a bad note with, uh, 
uh, the law offices of uh, Larry H. Parker. Yeah, dude. See, I can't even remember his name. Like that's how a coffee depleted I am right now. So okay, so today's topic are my five best church planning moments, and uh, and how to avoid them, and how to avoid them, and so so I, I'll go first, and then uh, Pete, you're you're going to give some semblance of. This I'm going to give uh, my version of your five best church planning moments. I dig it, man. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So so I'm going to give my five best, and you'd be like, no, 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 no. This is your best. So number one, and this isn't in any order. This is just to help me count because I'm bad with math. So this isn't like the best one. But uh, number one, uh, there was a time, and I think it was our second year in Pillar. Was, you know, when I say best, it doesn't mean like the most valuable. It means looking back, my favorite times. And uh, I can remember kind of wanting to exhort our, our church during the second year to really go for it evangelistically. And I can remember, you know, thinking like, this church is amazing. If you guys are bringing your friends here, they get saved. But when I was younger in ministry, it was always kind of like beating people into it. Like, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I'd be like, you know, you stupid kids, you know, bring your, bring your pagan friends and, you know, make them less heathen than they are. And, and I would struggle. In, in my young days, wanting, because I was a bringer. I mean, you, you have bringers in your church. They're the people that they're just going to bring people. And I've always been a bringer. So, uh, so it was hard for me to, um, to, to, when I was young in ministry, to see people not bringing people to church. And I know there's a, like a whole move of, you know, people are like, oh, it's incarnational. And it is. But when you're incarnational, trust me, uh, a missional community model, you're going to bring people. It's still attractional. Like let's let's not let's not make false distinctions. An attractional model is if you build it, they will come. Sure, you throw this incredible show, this and that. I was at a small church, but I was so excited about what I was learning. I was excited about God. So I was incarnational. Anywhere I went, I was sharing the gospel. I was meeting with people. I did discipleship. It, 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 you know, I disciple you whether you want it or not. But, um, but all that to say, uh, I just brought people, you know, to anything I did. And um, what what happened was, um, so I'm 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 a little bit older. I'm in I'm in Wales when our second year of our church plant, and I want them to bring people, but. I don't want to beat them. Like, I don't want to like ride them and put pressure on them and burden them and guilt them, you know, because that wasn't the style of leadership that, that I've ever really liked. And although there was an internal struggle when I was younger, I've just since learned that a sense of humor is, is usually the way that God speaks to me. Like God is going to sound weird, but when God talks to me, a lot of times he's funny when he's serious, it's usually really, really serious. But um, God, I, I feel personally like God jokes with me a lot and like he's winking at me and pointing at me like, hey, hey, you know, and sometimes I need some seriousness. But um, but but I see things as very funny um, in life a lot. And so I decided I was going to um, encourage them to bring people by um, making them laugh. And so what I did was I grabbed a bunch of my clothes and I was with some of my friends. They were over at my house 
And I told him, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to show people that, you know, on Sundays that, hey, there is so much room for you to bring people. Like these are people that would get saved. But when I see an empty chair, I see, you know, a, a person who could have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And I want to encourage them to think that way about empty chairs. So what we did is I said, here's my crazy idea. What we should do, and, 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 and what I told him was, I want to make dummies of, of people using my old clothes and, and, and Andrew's clothes or whatever and stuff them and, and make fake people and stick them in chairs on Sunday morning. And so everybody started laughing and they go, man, that's hot. We should do that. So we, we did it like right then. It took us a couple hours, but we built dummies. Like we put a chick in a burqa. Um, so we had a Muslim chick there. We, uh, we did what they call a yob, which is like a, a guy in a hoodie, you know, one of the little like uh, soccer hooligans, like a thug in, in Britain. We built one of those and we built a bunch of them. And so people came in on a Sunday morning and they're sitting down at uh these you know we sat around coffee tables and people were sitting down and literally i'm up front and i'm pretending i'm straightening my notes i'm just watching because i can't wait for this man i should add popcorn and i'm watching people sit down and and they're just putting their stuff on the coffee table and they're sitting down and getting situated and then they just glance over and people were jumping out of their skin like oh my gosh <laughs> someone reach over like hi my name's you know and then suddenly they'd realize like oh my gosh you know this is uh you know uh this is this is it, it was just people would have like a split second of panic and it was just hilarious man and then i got to tell them you know i got to goof off of them and and tell them my vision like hey an empty chair represents a lost soul that missed out on 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 an opportunity and, you know, um, and again, I hadn't read this anywhere. I hadn't, you know, copied. It just was literally God using my sense of humor. And it was really effective. It was such a better way to get people to think about lost people by doing it that way. And it was just, it was great, man. We should do it in Refuge Long Beach. We should because we have a lot of empty uh, chairs on Sunday. We do. And that's that's more because our uh, our our they're they're bolted to the floor well, yeah that's because we got kicked inside the church absolutely so now we're in an auditorium that's interesting man that's really interesting i kind of like that whole idea and see i like it too from another perspective of having gone to church my whole life it makes church fun again not like fun like you're wasting time fun but fun with a point like most absolutely. churches when i grew up like the cool church you know when they would finally do something fun, it's because they had a drama team and they would have a drama skit. And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. But to me, this is like way better than that because it's not a skit. It's like just a surprise thing in the audience. You just don't see that yeah. kind of thing. Well, you know, and, and when I was young, that, that was kind of the thing. Like I'd be all cheesed off like before the service started, if the sound system was breaking. At a certain stage, I remember thinking, because Wales was poor, and this transformation happened when I was in Wales. I remember thinking I can either do everything mad and angry at everybody all the time, or I can decide I'm going to laugh about it and give stuff up to God. And I've, I've learned that, you know, with leadership, with any good leadership, if you're mad at, your, at the people you're leading, 
they're going to feel it. Mm. If you're angry at them, they're going to feel that. They're going to sense that tension. There will be that. And I just learned, you know, at a certain stage, like a knucklehead, as a guy who really, quite frankly, has anger issues anyways, um, that that was just a part of my growing up. And, and I just remember thinking, this doesn't gel. And somehow, I think the Holy Spirit wants to do something very different in me than have me angry. Now I'm just angry at church people. Um, and, and, and it was just beautiful, man, because it was literally just God going, well, you have a twisted sense of humor. I, I can use that. And humor always is a tension breaker. And it's, it's just become a survival skill for me. And I've learned that if I can laugh at stuff, then there's probably an opening for the Holy Spirit to do something. And I would literally, like the other night, we had our leadership meeting for our Christmas party. And we laughed like the whole night. Our team laughed. We had the San Pedro team there. And I think there was between that, there's there's actually two core teams for San Pedro right now. There's almost like a core team within a core team. But um, and, and then there was our leadership. And then we had the heads of, of different ministries. And we just laughed, man, like for hours. And uh, and I and Enter and I were just talking on the on the way home. We're driving home like that's just always how it's been since we started church planning is we're friends with the people we plant with and they just know we love them and we laugh at half the stuff that goes on. There's really, really serious things that happen, but, you know, we, we just laugh a lot and that's such a bonding thing and it bonds a congregation together when you're talking about evangelism. You can laugh about the challenge in front of you, but people learn, you know, people learn instead of me guilting them. You know, there's a defense mechanism that goes up when you guilt people right away that that kicks in like you, Pete. You know, you were raised in a Baptist church and you, you probably have like a bulletproof vest of guilt, man. <laughs> You're like, oh, here we go again. No, I have a bulletproof vest against guilt for totally unrelated reasons from the Baptist <laughs> church, which we won't get into on this podcast. But um, you actually said something that that triggered a memory for me. And this is a little bit off the topic, which is kind of the way we do things on the podcast. That's how we roll. But I actually think there's a lesson here that might help people. And maybe not. I don't know. One of the memories I have as a kid when I was going to my dad's church, my dad had a guest speaker one Sunday. And, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't always sit with my parents during the service. You know, a bunch of us kids would go sit somewhere in the sanctuary. And for whatever reason, you know, the guy's up there preaching and I get up to walk out of the room. And I remember I get up and I start walking to the back and I see my dad get up and he starts walking to the back, but he's on the other side of the sanctuary. And as soon as we get to the foyer, he like, you know, comes running over to the center, grabs my arm and he goes, you never leave when someone else is talking. And so he grabs my arm and, you know, we go in there and we sit down. And so I've always, be, that one, you know, moment in time had a huge impact on me because I realized how disrespectful it is to get up while someone's speaking and, you know, leave or talk or whatever. And as someone who's done, I don't know, a few hundred public speaking messages, I I totally get it, right? I, I get the disrespect that you're showing to the speaker when you get up and leave. And then, of course, you know, Refuge Long Beach, that's just like like on Sunday, I was noticing when you were preaching, it was like popcorn. People were, you know, jumping up and leaving. But it's we're in a totally different environment. 
And and I don't think most people there are doing it as a sign of disrespect. No, um, not at all. No, it's it's. It, I mean, you know, it's 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 just where they're at physically in yeah. some cases. Yeah, you know, they, Jones and for a cigarette, no- whatever, you know, getting up and and walking out. And so my only point is this: is you know, when you go after uh, the lost, right? When you go after the inner city, when you're you're in certain communities. You know, sometimes what we would expect and what we would desire even, you just kind of have to put that out of your mind and not take it disrespectfully and not take it as a sign of, you know, I don't like you. Um, You're an awful person or anything like that. I mean, it it could be because you're a bad speaker. Who knows, right? I mean, that could be the case. But uh, so, I mean, that's why I say it's kind of off subject, but I would just, I would just caution people, hey, you know, don't, don't take it so personally if that's what happens at your church. That's just kind of the way our church is. I mean, we've literally got so many people who are homeless who come and a lot of times they're going up to go check on their stuff. Cause that's like, they're used to doing that, right? They live in the park, they live on the streets. They're used to always checking on their stuff. Like there's this one guy there on Sunday who had, I think the biggest bike chain I've ever seen in my life. There is no way you could bolt cut these things. It's that thick of a chain. Yeah. That's his life right there, you know, and so yeah. they're getting up and checking it. I don't I, I know that has nothing to do with what you just talked about. No, but no, it totally reminded me of that. You're actually you're actually you're you're connecting back in a weird way because the amount of guys who get mad at, you know, the disturbances while they're preaching because they can't concentrate Um and, and they make a comment or they give a dirty look while they're preaching. Just so you know, guys, if you ever do that. It completely undermines you as a speaker. Never, ever make an angry comment from the pulpit. Um, it, it just, no matter what, it makes you look like a jerk. And if you're trying to reach lost people, it just makes you look so arrogant. And it, it's not helpful. It, it actually undermines. Like, can you imagine Jesus just like turning to everyone and going, shut up, I'm talking, or excuse me, you know, or you know, hey, eyes on front, I'm speaking here, this is rude, you know, love is not rude, people, you know, or whatever, whatever. you've all heard speakers, you know, um, um, ma'am, we have a mother's cry room if if the baby's too difficult. Um, I, I do the opposite. Um, <laughs> you I, usually you know, make fun of them when their babies are crying. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I'll usually say something like, hey, we have a policy here, we don't care. In the early church, it's, you know, I can preach because it, what you're pointing out we deal with an unchurched culture. Like these people have not been enculturated. You were enculturated to church. Church is something you understand. You understand the norms, the rules, the respect. When you're reaching lost people, they don't know that. They don't, they're not thinking like, I'm going to get up and this is rude. And you have to accept them as they are, not as you want them to be. And it's part of reaching lost people. You, you have to, Excuse me, you have to understand that, um, you know, uh, there's a generation of guys that went before us, guys like Wesley and Whitfield. People used to blow bugles while they preached. One, once when Res- Wesley was preaching on a table in a market square, someone let loose a bolt from a local pasture um, into the town square. Um, he jumped off and the he bull let- actually went through the oh, table. A bull. A bull. A bull. And. Not only that, um, people used to go up on trees. They learned to preach far away from trees because people would go up and pee on them. 
Oh, so, wow. I mean, you know, Lloyd-Jones, right? Like Lloyd-Jones. Oh, sorry. Look, <laughs> I could do that. That could be my ministry. <laughs> the pee on the preacher ministry. I could do that. But, you know, the... Um, yeah, by the way, that was a non-Christian. Just to be absolutely clear, that was not some you know, weird here's an interesting Pentecostalism. Thing. The... the um... Like what the the worst that it really gets in our culture because we don't deal with any of that at least in any of the churches that I've seen here in the no. states which is not to say that it doesn't happen in some churches I have no idea right I mean there's some outdoor churches I'm sure <laughs> where something crazy is going on but like the most we've got to deal with are and and this I would say is something that pastors who are planting in the inner cities or you know among the lost as a whole the most we deal with are people who start commenting from the audience while you're preaching. And that will throw off most preachers. I love that. But see, but you're, you're trained for it. Like you're geared for it. And now, you know, great. Now we've got an interaction, a dialogue, which is a good thing. Like, uh, Chris was preaching a couple of weeks ago and, uh, there was a guy in the audience who, who makes this comment, you know, he throws out, well, Jesus wasn't perfect. And, and cause I, I think, I think Chris had like asked the audience, you know, um, tell me what you think of when you think of Jesus or you think of God. I don't remember what it was. It was something like that. And I remember this guy yells out, well, you know, people think that Jesus was perfect, but he wasn't perfect. And, you know, so Chris has to then handle this because what do you do? You know, someone in sales, we use the analogy of the hot potato. Like when you were sitting down with a client, we call it the hot potato. I'm going to offer you to, to buy something. I'm going to hand you the hot potato and like the game hot potato. Right. Now they're going to give me an objection and they've handed it back to me. And yeah. now I've got this objection. I've got the hot potato. I got to figure out how to handle that. It's the same thing when you're preaching, right? You've, you've just thrown out this hot potato and this guy has now thrown it back at you. Oh, well, Jesus wasn't perfect. And you got to know how do I deal with this from the pulpit? Yeah. By the way, he handled it brilliantly. He goes, he goes, no, Jesus was sinless, and it says that he was made perfect in his suffering and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it goes on to the next thing. But it was like, you have to be prepared to deal with that kind of stuff in certain yeah. churches. You do. And, and you know, of course, Peter on the day of Pentecost, he's not in a church setting. He's out on the street. Um, well, he's in the temple court. But, I mean, you know, the people interact. You know, what must we do to be saved? And, of course, Paul goes into the synagogue, and it says he reasons. That means... When he reasoned with them, it's a nice way of saying he debated or they dialogue. Yeah, they and and so you know the 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 interesting thing is is that this is a lost art form to the church, and yet it's what street preachers know has to be done. When you are out on the street, if I'm out on the on the pier, or I'm you know in Hyde Park in London, and I'm I'm preaching. Um, in the open air, or even in, in in Long Beach, you know, Bixby Park. Gosh, man, you know, um, it's something that will happen, and when it happens, you roll with it. I, I'm going to hold. You know, it, it's funny because we're actually heading into another memory, and and you know, one of my best church playing days. So I'm just going to kick it into number two then, since we're already there, which was the day that we launched Bixby Park. And she could not have known it, but there was a girl there named Mary. She's a, a lesbian, um, rough, rough lady, um, you know, knife scar up her arm, you know, rough life. And, you know, Homeless. As I, yeah. And, and as I was at the end of 
my message, um, but mentally all there. And she was homeless, but she was mentally 100% there. And, you know, when we're talking about homeless people, you guys got to understand, like, we're not talking like totally crazy people. I would say that we got a couple crazy people for sure. But most of the people we deal with are not mentally ill. And, you know, so we're, you know, we're, we're in the park launching on our first day. And this uh, Lady Mary immediately, you know, after I'm, I would say I was preaching for about 20, 25 minutes and I was done. This was like a, a supernaturally downloaded sermon. It was one of the best sermons I ever preach. I always tell people it's like uh, Jack Black, this is tribute, kind of like Tenacious D. Can't remember the best sermon in the world. Oh no, this is a tribute. And and so what happened was I was going to preach on Deuteronomy, and we were kicked out of our building um, the Friday night before. It was meeting on a on a national holiday, ten year anniversary of nine eleven. So the government union says, you know, union workers, government employees, you can't uh, work on a national holiday. So they could not give us the caretaker for the building. So they 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 made us meet out. So well, they just said you can't use a building. So we said, look, change of plan, go to the mothership, grab all the chairs they use for Easter in the park. We'll go down there. Boom, boom, boom. So we did it. Um, I told him, look, you know, uh, I can preach in the open air, did it for years, no problem, uh, over in the UK. So boom, let's do it. And, uh, we, we got it done, man. I think we, we might've had a generator, but I don't think so. I think it was just in the raw. And as I was done, she didn't know, but it was just the natural break point where she just goes, excuse me. And she raised her hand. And she asked about, and, and this is in the Leadership Journal article um, called uh, The Gospel in an LGBT World, which is uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And, you know, she just goes, hey, you're talking all that love, grace, and mercy. What does that have to do with me? And I remember thinking at that moment, like, this is the stage at which I lose half my core team because what I am about to say is radical and revolutionary, but you have to believe in the power of the gospel to answer this way. If you're just playing church, you would make all these rules up. But if you believe the spirit of God is here today and he's transforming lives, then you can answer this. And so my answer was nothing different from for you than anyone else here. And I literally heard <laughs> a couple of people go, oh, like, Almost like, I can't believe you just said that. Really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I did. I did. And and <laughs> I actually know who it was. But uh, here's the deal. Is, I can't wait till we know, get off the podcast today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to tell you about it. But, but here's, here's the deal. Is that uh, it was just beautiful because suddenly someone else in the congregation goes, Hey, you think you're a wreck? I was, I was homeless in my car for a year and I was an alcoholic and I was this and I was that. And you, I actually, I'm looking over going, dang, I didn't know that. Then an art teacher, you know, from uh, one of the, the, the colleges in Long Beach goes, Hey, you want to hear my story? Boom, boom. You don't think God can love you? Boom, boom, boom. And suddenly it was like, okay, the Holy Spirit's just totally taken over. Other people are, are now, there's a dialogue going, but it's not between me. It's it's actually whatever. There's like a community discussion going on about how God can transform anybody, and uh, it was it was beautiful, man. It was like the Book of Acts. It was beautiful. 
Hmm. That was my favorite. That was that was one of my favorites. That's one of my top five. You know, one of the um, one of the things that I find really interesting about Refuge Long Beach are the Christians that have been attracted to the church and that are there because of the crazy past that so many of them have that like, you just wouldn't know it. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Because on Sunday, this couple comes and they're like, and they were nice. Like they were really nice. I'm not saying anything mean about them or anything, but it just, it just cracked me up because I forget sometimes, you know, how much of a shock to the system we are because they, they, they turn up and, they're respectable. You know, you can tell they're, they're kind of like a nice yuppie family and they're, they, they turn up and they're like, Hey, uh, we, we came today. Um, are you Peyton? Yeah, I'm Peyton. Oh, we know, uh, Chris. And you know, we were, um, we were told that you do homeless ministry here. And I said, well, I go, let me, let me kind of give you our philosophy. Yes, I, I understand. But I said, it's really important to know that we don't feed homeless people here. We eat as a community. And some homeless people happen to be a part of the community. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you'll be, you know, if you're working behind the table, obviously you'll be feeding homeless people, but really that's not how we think about it. Um, we think about it just that we're, we're eating as a community. We all need to eat. Some of these people in this community need, you know, need to eat here more than we do, but, um, but yeah, no, boom, boom, boom. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, boom, boom. So the end of the service, I see him going out towards a parking lot and I just say, Hey guys, thanks for coming. And, uh, I said, so, um, uh, I, I can't remember how he said, it. I wasn't being a, I wasn't fishing, but I said something about, Hey, you know, I won't be here next week. So I won't see you. Um, I'll be here in a few weeks or something. I'll probably see you in a month. And they go, uh, yeah. <laughs> They go, yeah, we're we're gonna be praying about it. <laughs> I just go, I start laughing. I can't help it. I start laughing and I go, hey, that's totally cool. We're not everybody's cup of tea. I go, we're we're the scary church. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, yeah, yeah, but no, I do think about the 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 Christians that are attracted to us. You know, um, I think Joseph is a great example, man. I don't think there's anybody that makes you feel more. <laughs> at home then you walk up to to church and Joseph is there to greet you with his thick, thick Indian accent. I mean, half the time I can barely tell what he's saying. And, and then when you hear his past story and, you know, alcoholic and, you know, led to his divorce and, and you look at him today and you're like, man, that is just not the man I know today. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's like these, these huge changes. And we've talked about this before. Ruben, like I never knew Ruben as you know this gangbanger and you know in trouble with the law all the time. I I never knew him that way. So it's so hard for me to like see these people as their old selves. You know who they used yeah. to be, and and but those are the people who get attracted to the church and want to stay at the church. You know there are other people who are like oh cool we can go to Refuge Long Beach. It's a lot closer than Refuge Huntington Beach. And then you know they come and eh, I don't think I'm going to stay here. You know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you, you know what it was, though? You know why those people, um, you know, said that to you and were like, we're praying about it. I could tell you why. The meet and greet. <laughs> it wasn't the meet and greet. It's the meet and greet. You don't I'll understand. Probably. It's the meet and greet. Stop meeting and greeting people. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is if you do have respectable people come and then you have a meet and greet. 
And they're like, you know, the guy next to him is a murderer, and he's like, I, you know. I mean, I can honestly say I've never heard so many murder confessions. And, you know, I, I said that to one of my family members the other day. My brother-in-law has been going. He's like, man, this is a really special church. I've never seen anything like this. We were talking at a family event the other night, and I told him, man, I have, I go, the amount of murder confessions I hear. And he's like, what's your moral obligation? I'm like, no, no, these people have been to prison. They've served their time already. It's just, I have, it, you know, it still chews them up. They, it, we get one of two is things. Your, what is your uh, moral obligation if it's something that they haven't been convicted of? Yeah, they got to make it right, man. They got to pay their debt to society. Jesus paid their debt in heaven before God, but there's still a debt to be paid, you know, for man. And I, I think it's important to, you know, make that distinction with people, particularly when you're dealing with people who, yeah, he may need to go back to prison. And what, what often happens is, um, people come to faith and we've seen this happen a number of times where, um, they're like, I got to go turn myself in. So like, if you remember big Anthony, um, who used to come a lot in the early days, Big Anthony, we we took him to prison. You yeah, know? I remember that. They let him out, and he was actually yeah, kind of bummed him. at first. Yeah, they were like, oh, it's too full. <laughs> we can't let you in. No room in the end, pal. But, uh, He's like, but, no, I don't want we, work release. I'm here to serve my time. <laughs> yeah, like, a lot of these yeah. guys have been in prison. They've served time before, and they're they're used to it. But we haven't really seen any of those recently. But, I mean, we've we've had guys... I don't know what it is. I just think it's because we're going through Romans and the grace of God is really coming. You know, you're dealing with, with those themes and these guys are, things are coming out now from the past and they're thinking, you know, Hey, that person that was caught, you know, was at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's not who we set out to get. And they're not here. You know, those things are plaguing them now. And, you know, a lot of them ended up on drugs and substance to deal with the guilt and to deal with a lot of the cred. But, you know, now they're straight, they're clean, they're um, walking with the Lord and the enemy's using that stuff and they're, they're having to work through that. And so that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's, that's been new for me as a, that's been new, new pastoral issues for me. And it's, I, I wish I could say it was one isolated case, but it's not been. Hmm. All right. Like so, Chris, what's your what's your third thing that you uh, listen to? And just to, to to tail in on 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 the end of that, like Chris said a few weeks ago, he goes, "Either this grace stuff is real, or we're in trouble because these are some dangerous people here." So, um, yeah. Um, well, what are some? Were you going to tell me any of your best moments, or well, I, I was going to tell him your best moments from my perspective. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Um, number one would be the, uh, the day you came and spoke at refuge Huntington beach and put out a sign up sheet. And I was apparently the first person to sign up on it. That, that was one of your, uh, best moments <laughs> because then you decided to call through it and you called me. So, yeah. you know, the day, the day I met Pete Mitchell, I'm just saying that's gotta be up there. That's gotta be in a top five. <laughs> All right, all right. I would say uh, another one of your best moments was uh, the day I was driving back from getting a haircut on Valley View. And I said, hey, I got this idea. Let's do a thing called Church Planner Magazine. And absolutely. Uh, the rest yeah. is history on that. So, hey, man. And, and this is the funny thing. It was your idea. It wasn't like I was like, hey, Pete, we need to do a magazine. Can you help me? And I remember saying to you, dude, that is the best idea. And 
I was blown away. You know, but the funny thing to me, I actually saw it as like this sideline idea to basically the what I wanted to do was I wanted to create the software that I could use to create magazines and whatnot. Um, <laughs> You're like, this is just a guinea pig. It was, yeah, it was totally just like this. And, and you know, what are other areas I could use it? Well, I'm on the board of directors for apologetics.com. We could have an apologetics magazine. And there's no one in that that niche on the iPad, so we could totally own it. I mean, that was like the thought process going through my head. Yeah. And same thing with church planning. Oh, you know, Peyton's really into church planning. We'll, we'll do a church planning magazine. Um, so that's that's obviously another one of your top five was uh, <laughs> me giving you the idea for the magazine. Um, Man, I would mine say seems stupid now. Of course they are compared to compared to what I know are your top five. <laughs> and um, uh, one for me though, uh, a highlight for me and the whole thing was actually uh, not at. Refuge Long Beach. It was the day you and I were at a conference and we were doing video interviews. And it was the day we've talked about it before on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we were just both emotionally exhausted by the end of that day. It, it was it was an emotional day. It was just weird just because of you're hearing all these stories. Like, in fact, right before we got on this podcast, one of the guys we interviewed just called you. And um, that was one yeah. of the interviews. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Zibanda Abedini. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if her last name's Abedini actually, but Zibanda, uh, um, yeah. uh, who is uh, Pastor Saeed's sister. We interviewed her. Um, uh, Gabriel Provincio, we interviewed him. Um, David, yeah. uh, how does he say his last name? Trejo, Trejo, yeah. Uh, we interviewed him. I mean. The the people that we got the opportunity to interview and hear their stories and hear just the craziness of what frontline ministry is like. Mm -hmm. For me, a guy who grew up in the church that was in an inner city. I mean, the Baptist church that my dad was a pastor at was in the inner city. But it was a church, you know, and yeah. I, I've made the the statement before. My sister and I were pretty much, I mean, not the whole time, but for a large part of the time, we were the only white kids that went there. Um, yeah. The area itself had a lot of Samoans, uh, Tongans, black. Um, I don't remember a lot of Hispanic in this particular uh, area. Um, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Asian descent. In fact, the school that we were in the school district for, for high school, was like such a bad school. Um that my parents are like, there's no way we're sending our kids to that school. Like they're, they're not going because it, it was just, it's an inner city school. I mean, that was the district we lived in. So, um, so even though I grew up in that environment and going to that kind of a church, it's totally different, right? It was still church. We still played church, right? It was a, the attractional model. Uh, people come here and we would do outreach into the communities Usually during the summer, Vacation Bible School was actually pretty huge at that church. I mean, we'd have like 400 kids show up. And, uh, I mean, there were summers where they'd have to say, okay, stop inviting your friends. <laughs> You're not wow. allowed to bring any more of your friends because there was no room. And we're yeah. talking about, you know, a very few amount of teachers because none of the parents cared, right, in that community. The parents are like, well, I don't even know what the kids are doing during the middle of the day. 
Oh, they're yeah. going over there to the church. Well, okay, well, that's good. It's got to be good. It's a church. Um, this is before, too, all the, you know, insanity today. Where I, I mean, they're, they're just things that you would do with your kids back in the 80s that you would never do with your kids today. I mean, yeah, you, you know where they are at all times today. It's just the world has changed yeah. so much. But Oh, um, yeah. But even having grown up in that environment, it's nothing compared to uh, guys who are actually on the front lines and doing it. I mean, maybe it was for my parents. Yeah. I don't know. I was a kid, right? I wasn't. I mean, I was sure. a I was a bystander. But uh, but hearing their stories and really hearing how God shows up, like that was the most incredible thing. When you when you hear how God shows up, the thought goes through your head. When you've lived the life that I've lived, wow, I guess this God thing is actually legit. Yeah. Like that, I, I know that sounds weird to a bunch of pastors listening to this, but that's the thought that goes through your head. Wow, I guess this stuff is actually legit. Yeah, and, and so much of that, you know, for the planner who's going like, oh, man, I don't see, you know, God turning up or this or that. I'll just give a, a real slight challenge um, just to say, are you stepping out in faith? Are you risking? Um, are you um, putting yourself in places where you need God to turn up? Um, not just like, oh, we had a low attendance, but um, start doing some evangelism. Start meeting people, you know, start getting out into the community and, um, you know, maybe walk in the streets and, and prayer walking, saying, Lord, open up a conversation, you know, um, start praying about outreach, start praying with people about outreach. God, talk to us, you know, show us the need, show us an open door here. Um, all those things, you know, and then do it and then just risk, man. Like so, uh, Friday, we did our our infamous Christmas outreach again. And um, the amount of people we had turn up on Sunday, man, Sunday, there was so many people I'm looking out there and I'm like, okay, God is saving people today. I mean, just hands down, I had conversations with people afterwards that were, uh, and I knew like I was going in, I had this spiritual, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to do jack. And I knew I'm like, it's on today, man. The spiritual battle is just raging because I woke up in a bad mood. I'm grumpy. I'm ticked. And I talked to a buddy of mine named Tommy, who's going to come and share his testimony, but he got held over because people were getting saved at his church and he ended up talking to him after service. So he didn't make it to us in time to share his testimony because his service is a little bit um, earlier in ours, another church planner in Long Beach. And he, he goes, I told him, I said, oh man, I didn't even want to come today. And he's like, me too. He's like, and then all these people got saved. And I said, well, that just happened in here. I said, you know, that that's what happens when it kicks off, man. You know, the, uh, in the spiritual realm, you, you, you get this opposition, but yeah, you, if you're risking guys, that's, that's where you see the Holy spirit. We got an article coming out in the next issue of church planner magazine called faith is spelled R I S K. And I wish I wrote that. That's such a great title. It's actually, um, F A I T H, but you know, uh, who, who's, who's <laughs> yeah. Who's yeah. Well, she's not good at spelling. I'm not good at math. She's not good at spelling, but, uh, Okay. Well, hey, you know, we're we're not even halfway through the list, man. How how are we doing on time? Should we, we got make about this seven minutes left to get the last two in. All right. Well, we actually I've only shared two. No, you shared so, three. No, I shared two. So maybe I, this I think needs you need to, to be... go back and recount because you said this is my third one. Oh, did I? Oh, I lied. Yeah, no, it's my second. 
Um, maybe this needs to be my top 2.5. Uh, <laughs> That's because I'm not even letting you get through it. I'm giving you your, your top ones. No, it's great, man. It's great. I, I actually wouldn't mind continuing my top five part one because, uh, hey, man, we've been talking about all these like my worst day and we're going to talk. Actually, we're going to talk about the worst days because we haven't hit that yet. But um, but yeah, so uh, the um, I, I will close with this one and then we'll come back and, and talk about the others. Um, my 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 top. Okay, one of my top ones would be a baptism that we had in Wales. And um, I've talked about this before, but I've got a book coming out um, and I write about it because somebody posted a picture of it online and you can't see all the people because the people, the way they took the picture is they took it from the angle of where you can see the people um who are getting baptized standing there, but you can't see all, you can't see all the other people because of where they're standing and how things were set up. Um, but it, it just, it brings it back so powerfully to me that night. And the guy who's in the water with me talking was a guy from France who, uh, he's, he's still around as far as I know, but his wife was there that night. And she had an incredible gift of prophecy. She was like one of these women that prayed all the time. And she was the aunt of a woman that was getting baptized. And she said, oh, I've been fighting my aunt. And I knew as soon as I met this woman, I'm like, this woman walks with God. And she, she had health, health issues that, that made her largely bedridden. Um, but she was able to get out. And she was dead. Like She was gone within like a month of this event. But she shared, I can't remember what it was she shared. And as soon as the woman opened her stinking mouth, it was like the spirit of God just filled the place. And we had another guy who, it, it wasn't long before, I can't remember how many weeks, it was anywhere from a month to maybe a couple months before he had, um, he was an addict and he had, I can't remember what the story was, but he had reached a point of despair and had walked. I don't remember if he was high or if he just didn't want to get caught up in the cycle of addiction again, but he had walked into the the supermarket um, in the middle of town and had taken a razor blade and just opened his neck up like right there in the entrance, just blood spraying everywhere. And And I'm baptizing this dude and his... Uh, you know, the scar. I mean, he's got a scar that that rivaled that of the Joker in the Batman film. You know, it just all across his neck. And he shared it. Of course, everyone's sharing their testimonies. And it was just a night where I felt like Jesus was the champion. Like, it was like the end of Rocky where he's holding the belt up. It was like, you know, it, it was just... God's glory was so powerful that night and, and God's presence was so amazingly felt that I literally was scared. Like my hands were shaking because I felt them so much hmm. and I've never, I don't think I've ever felt that, um, quite like that <sighs> night. I mean, I've been places where like, 
you know, in meetings where God turned up, I've been parts of healings, I've been in exorcisms, but that night was something and it, it probably will stand out in my mind. I just remember feeling like, almost like in the scripture where when God shows up, they, they don't want to speak. They, 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 you know, the angels like, Hey, fear not, or they think they're going to die. Um, I don't, I don't know how to put it, man, but like people that night who just came for their fit, like there was a whole chain of conversions that night. Um, a college student who was suicidal, it's a high suicide over there. It's like Seattle, same, same climate as Seattle, you know, lots of depression, but that night, um, a college student who had been saved had had brought it was, it was like the first chain of events his first friend had come to faith and so it wasn't the first friend they, they, how am i going to put this okay the guy getting the college kid getting baptized that night had gotten saved at the baptism before um, from the college kid who had been suicidal well that night his whole family came his whole family got saved. He's a, he's a kid named James New. James New is now a minister in um, Cardiff. Uh, or excuse me, he was an intern in Cardiff. He's actually now back at Pillar as a minister, as a pastor. Um, and so this dude's now in ministry. But uh, that night, his family got saved. And I, I, I remember it looking from the, when I'm preaching that night, looking at his family and their eyes were like the presence of God was so strong. Their eyes were wide with fear. And I remember feeling like, Oh, I feel so bad for you guys. because you, you thought you were just coming to this baptism to be supportive. And you've met with God. Like you're, you're feeling the fear, but not from a place of security under the blood of Jesus. You're feeling this fear as like, Oh my gosh, what have we walked into? You know, it's this alien fear. Like, what is this we're feeling? There were two, there was a, a woman who got baptized uh, and her uh, brothers who were construction workers were there. And um, they were both just addicts. I mean, one guy was a total meth head and, you know, teeth rotten out. And um, the other guy, you know, they, they just were two hard construction workers, two brothers in business together. Um, criminals, uh, ripped people off a lot, had some side things going, dealt some drugs. Um, and she told me, she said, oh, my brothers are coming. Both of those dudes got saved that night. Both of those dudes got set free from drugs that night. Um, just completely apart from any, like the, the, I remember the one brother comes up to me afterwards and he's like, what's happening? <laughs> just like what like it was it was god man and 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 i'm not to me that was the most powerful i've ever seen it and i i don't know how to you know i'm telling this story i have seen this in measure over the years uh lesser and greater degrees and that's probably why for me running a show isn't important anymore um this is always to me what it's all about and for me, I just, that night, that was, that was something. That's, that's all I got to say. Mm. I dig it, man. I dig it. Hard to top that one. <laughs> well, there was another day that I gave you a great idea. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
It was the day yeah, I yeah, said, I'm would... doing the podcast with or without you. <laughs> right on. Wait, say that one again. There was one day when I was like, we talked about doing a podcast and stuff always kept coming up as to why we didn't start it. And finally I go, look, I'm doing the first recording on Friday with or without you. If you want to be on it, great. <laughs> I don't know what it would have been if it was just me. Because hey, starting is the hardest part, man. Absolutely. Every church planner knows this. So once we started, we just rolled. It's amazing well, we're still going. Starting it and then having the consistency to keep it up. Like we're at 116 episodes. That is incredible because there was another podcast that just started up recently that I was like, okay, this might be a good one. I'm going to listen to it. They had three episodes and then that's it. Yeah. Nothing more. I mean, it's yeah. been, I, I think because we love it and, and to be honest, I think we're called to it. You know, I, I, I really feel this is part of the calling and it's interesting because I think you and I, we have a good time doing it, but I think there's times we wonder, is this actually helping anybody anymore? And every time we get that encouragement from someone who either emails or sends something in, you know, you need it, right? You, you, you wonder. It's not like we're up here thinking we're awesome and, oh, man, this is going to just change people's lives. Except man. for like Steve Erickson, who told me I'm a horrible singer. I mean, karate man cry on the inside, not on the outside, but still, <laughs> you know, karate man crying. He's speaking the truth in love, brother, apparently. That's what apparently. he said. Yeah, those who, weren't, who aren't in jump school, we brought that up, and then all of a sudden he's on the call and he chimes in. He goes, look, I'm just speaking the truth in love. <laughs> Yeah, we actually did a, a special uh, special uh, uh, sing-out for him on the bay. He was a guy that said he would only sign up if we, uh, if we sang. So. But, uh, hey, guys, along that line, I'm not taking opportunity here, but uh, if you will mention us on the, the, the reviews, that actually bumps us up the line a bit, bumps us up in the chain on iTunes, and it will share to a wider variety, a wider audience of church planners out there. So it, it increases our visibility. So if you guys love the podcast and you're like, man, more people need to hear about this, that's actually out of our hands. That's more in your hands. Help us spread the word. All you got to do is, uh, yes, like us on Facebook, but write a review. Give us thumbs up, all that good stuff, good reviews, five stars, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you know, and Steve is also one of the only people who's given us a four star review. What's up? What's up with that, Steve, my brother? I know. He's just speaking the truth in love. We're not five stars. It was your singing. If it were not for your singing, it would have gotten five star speed. Probably. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this has been our three top <laughs> church planning moments. For our five top church planning moments, part one, and we will come back and hear the rest of Pete's uh, perceived top church planning moments for Peyton and uh, Peyton's perceived uh, church planning moments. Who's to say which ones are the best? Yeah, maybe you're the judge of that. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music